Thank you for joining Analytics Today, a podcast series that focuses on big data and analytics and the latest trends in the digital world. I'm your co-host, Jeremy Roberts, and with me always is my co-host, Samir Khan. Hey, Samir. Hey, Jeremy. How's it going? You know, fabulous. Um, doing pumpkin carving with the kids. It's always fun. My kids wanted a pumpkin carve early in October, and they didn't realize that the pumpkin would die a slow death and ooze pumpkin juice out in a matter of a week before Halloween even started. So I learned that quickly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think this year it's been it's crazy. Like we started Halloween uh, early in October. Like, now they're also yeah. doing like trunk or treat. Now you decorate your cars and so all sorts of yeah. Really fun. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't do, I don't, I don't like anything on like shoe polish in my car. I'd freak out or whatever. So yeah. Yeah, so today is awesome. We have a guest who's been slightly quiet for now, and we're going to make him, you know, hopefully he's had some water today. We're going to make him speak for like two hours straight. But <laughs> we have the absolutely fabulous Matt Hines on the podcast today. Welcome, Matt. Hey, thanks very much. Sorry I was quiet. I was just finishing a wax job over here. Oh, uh, thanks. Getting yeah, ready yeah. for today's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually um, I got a massage earlier. I got fully waxed, and I'm ready to go. I mean, I thought this was going to be a. I'm ready. Going to be great. Well, ready um, for battle. Ready for battle here. Yeah, and also I, I want to apologize for all the subscribers you just lost as well. It's just, it's just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're going to awesome. think, wow, this is a pretty it's a pretty cool common, podcast. Pretty cool podcast. It's a pretty common joke with Jeremy Smear. So. So just to give you guys an idea, if you don't know who Matt Hines is, um, you probably should. Uh, he, he's been around for just you know a few years. But so Matt is what we call a prolific author. He's authored about six books that you can find on Amazon.com, nationally recognized award-winning blogger, president and founder of, the, of Hines Marketing, also a repeat winner of the top 50 most influential people in sales lead management and top 50 sales and marketing influencers. The cool thing that I saw, and you put this on your LinkedIn profile, is that are you currently still living through a renovation of a 105-year-old historic farmhouse? Well, yeah. I mean, the the, the majority of the work is done. Um, but when you live in a house that old, it's kind of like gardening. You're never done working on it. So it's oh it continues. Like we finished the big renovation work, but like we're – we're improving a deck that was leaky and partway rotted. Uh, we've got uh, a bunch of work in the in the basement we got to do to fix some things. We were doing honestly like it's old enough house. There's a lot of work we're doing just to get it back original to to make it nice. look and feel like the original house. So it's a uh, you know I, I I talk and type for a living, so I like to work on my calluses on the weekends. It's it's been nice. a lot of fun. Well, I, I think my thing would be. Can't you only work in the house maybe six months out of the year when it's not really, really cold or snowing? Uh, I mean, in Seattle, we don't get a lot of snow. We get snow a couple times a year. It's cold. But, you know, and and you're talking about the outside of the house. I mean, there's plenty of stuff on the inside that we're we're Uh, doing as well. Um, And I I don't mind the cold. I can can put a jacket on and just keep working. (laughs) Well, Samir and I happen to live in Texas where there's just hurricanes. And And sun. And sun, it gets a combination. The beauty we, we, here is, if you run out of gas, you can always just cook your breakfast on the hood of your car. You well, know? <laughs> we all, we all, I figure that everywhere in the country, there you have a natural disaster you live close to, maybe hurricanes, yeah. tornadoes. Um, here on the West Coast, we have earthquakes, and and maybe it's just because of what I've grown up with, but. Of all the natural disasters I could be uh, associated with, earthquakes is fine. It's, it's not if, if a hurricane's coming. 
like it's coming and you've got time to think about it and worry about it or the hurricane where the earthquake mm-hmm. it's done like by the time you're like oh crap there's a there's an earthquake it's kind of <laughs> over so there's that, that and there's not that terrible anticipation time where you're like crap earthquake coming cheap crap. cheap thrills yeah. earthquakes are cheap thrills that's what we're gonna yeah, rename you, you can do your funnel management effectively with earthquakes <laughs> with hurricane you can't exactly <laughs> well fantastic so let, let's get started let, let's um, for for our listeners who don't know what Heinz marketing is, let's just go ahead and start that off and just kind of give us your your you know page spiel of what is Heinz marketing, just so we can get you more business. Yeah, we uh, appreciate that. We are sales pipeline people. We're a bunch of marketers that think in terms of creating what we describe as predictable pipelines for our clients. You know, if you hit your number last month, last quarter, that's great. But what's your degree of confidence that you have a system and process in place that can hit it again this month, hit it again next quarter? Um, what are you doing to create demand, to nurture demand, and to enable your sales organization to execute on that repeatable, scalable process over and over uh, to see consistent results? And so we help B2B companies in a variety of industries uh, build that pipeline. How many times have you said that same exact spiel? Because it's that sounds- ex- <laughs> Well, so first of all, so what did you think? It's been nine years of working on this thing. You got all the right keywords. It must be like you're you're in the the SEO business because you got all the right keywords in there. Yeah, That's I didn't talk I about know. paradigms as much. I should probably throw that in a little <laughs> more. Um, you know, it's funny. You, you asked that question. What I, I I don't think I've said it once the exact same way because uh, I continue to sort of throw new things into it to see how people react. Um, you know, the, nice. the, the sausage making is is always you know it's it's quite a process. And then you do I, the, I like you the mer- yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I like the word uh, sales pipeline management. That's kind of a, a different way to think about it because most marketers think they always wear a marketing hat and they're always thinking, you know, I'm a marketing guy and, you know, sales is something that is in the other side of the building. I, I like the way you position it as a sales pipeline management. So you're like taking into consideration from a marketing angle, but also encompassing the whole sales piece into it. What do you think yeah. about that? Yeah, I, thank you. I, I appreciate that feedback. I think we have very intentionally put a focus on the word pipeline because uh, we, you know, I don't, I don't want to imply that we are sales consultants, so we are not. Uh, but I also, I have, I don't want to imply that we are purely marketing and lead focused. I mean, you can't buy a beer with an MQL, so why stop there? <laughs> True. Right? I mean, like, so I, I, I want to focus on something that is going to be contributive to hitting a sales number. Uh, and, and as much as I believe in full funnel marketing, as much as I believe that marketing's goals should be the same as the sales team's goals, I feel like the middle ground I can reach people at is let's, 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 let's focus marketing not on leads, let's focus on pipeline contribution. And to be able to do that on a repeatable, scalable basis, that's where I get to the idea of this predictable pipeline. So I, I guess my question on that is, okay, how many of your marketing people have true just pure marketing experience versus you pull people from sales um, who know marketing and teach them marketing. Well, because, yeah. you know, marketing and sales, it's almost like you have this fine line of oil and vinegar, but if they mix, they mix really fantastically. I have hired former salespeople into marketing jobs and it's worked phenomenally well. Um, oh. I hired one of our best marketing technology people out of retail and she was fantastic. I mean, hell, I, I'm a journalist by trade. I, I studied journalism and political science at the University of Washington, go dogs. And somehow I found my way, this you know downward winding path to being a B2B marketing consultant. So I, I don't care as much about what you used to do. I care about sort of your values and your instincts and your skill set moving forward. Hmm. And I think, you know, I find a lot 
lot of people that have grown up in marketing today that have the growth hacker mindset that are improving the impact the impact of their Facebook ads, it's it's counterproductive to pipeline contribution. Your goal is not to get the most traffic. Your goal is not no. to get the highest conversion rate or the lowest cost possible lead. Your goal is to sell something. And so I would, you know, yeah. if you think about it in terms of qualified pipeline contribution, if you simply, I mean, for, forget full funnel revenue responsibility for marketers for a second, although I think I feel very passionate that marketers should, should own a revenue number. If all you do is move from managing MQLs to managing to SQLs, Mm-hmm. fundamentally change some of the economics and mechanics of the way people should be doing marketing. So, I, you know, I, I think that a variety of people with a variety of backgrounds can do that. I think people that have grown up in sort of more growth hacker, more digital marketing sometimes have trouble making the shift from sort of purely digital lead gen marketing to real yeah. full funnel uh, revenue responsible marketing. I, th- I think every think- single – go for it, Smear. Yeah, Go, go ahead. No, I I think every single podcast I, I've mentioned my my percentage breakout of sixty thirty ten. Um, our listeners will be like, okay, he's, here he goes again talking about sixty thirty ten. Um, but I, I have this true belief that there's sixty percent of marketers out there who are doing things the old school way, who are just using you know still siloed methodologies, and and you know uh, you know you have majority of their marketing mix modeling in, in their print and, and all this stuff. And then there's about 30% who know what they need to do to really um, understand what it means to, to have pipeline management. Um, and then there's about 10% who really get it and who are doing it and they're leading the industry. I mean, it almost seems like it, you're falling into the same mindset that there's, there's just a small percentage of people that know that, but with that kind of percentage, I mean, how much do you struggle with some of your clients? And are there times when you have to tell your clients, I'm sorry, we, we can't help you because you're not willing to change? Oh, that happens a lot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, think, I mean, the, the challenge with doing what we all do, right, is that, you know, uh, one of our VPs is, says, you know, mileage may vary. You know, if you're an accountant and you're going to go do an audit, you're going to boot it out the same way. And the deliverables are kind of guaranteed because you're going to go do an audit and you're going to deliver some information. Mm-hmm. You hire a marketing team to generate pipeline or yeah. God forbid you hire a consultant to help you figure out how to do that. There's all kinds of shit that can go wrong. Right. Yes. And I don't know if this is, I don't know if I can swear on this podcast, but I yeah, do. you can. All right. Great. Yeah, you can. Um, my favorite parenting, <laughs> my favorite parenting podcast, by the way, has an E for explicit content on it. If you have a, if you do a parenting podcast where you get to swear, that's my kind of parenting podcast. I'm in. You, you, that, that is someone who, there, there, that is, someone who is who is clearly yeah. an actual parent. <laughs> there, there's a page you got to follow on Facebook. It's called Asshole Parents, and it's oh, basically man. parents um, showing pictures of like I I brought the wrong bread, and it has the crust <laughs> is a different color. So I'm an asshole parent. Right. <laughs> or um, there's a there's a there's an Instagram account called uh, Flaming Unicorn, I think it's called, and it's similar where the guy's posting these just funny conversations he's having with his kids. It's brilliant. Um, so back to back to marketing. Uh, yeah, the you know it, it, some of it, it you really have to anchor in your objectives. Like I don't care what marketing you're doing because it's always going to change and the mix is going to change and what you test is going to change. But what you're working towards is what's important. You know, if you're working towards an MQL goal, that's easy to game. It's easy to say, oh, I generated the same lead four times, but I'm accounting it towards my number. It's easy for sales in that environment to be grinding it out at the end of the month, end of the quarter, and marketing's sitting at the bar celebrating that they hit their retweet goal. Like, that's not that's not real alignment. 
So, you know, what goes into this is, is, is hard. And I think those that have done marketing and done modern B2B marketing recognize how friggin' hard this is and how long it takes to make it work. Um, and there isn't anyone you can hire, you know, as a consultant or as an employee that's going to have the magic bullet, that's going to have the magic pixie dust to make it work. You just have to put in the work. Yeah, that's a great point because always this is one of my challenge. Of, I was also say my frustration has been there are so many – like the word funnel has been abused pretty significantly. I think everyone talks about the funnel and all they're doing is just getting to the point where you have a well-qualified lead into your funnel. And then what do you do with it? Uh, you know, nothing. It, that's that's pretty much all the funnel word is. I think the funnel is distorted. Uh, so that's it's great that you're coming from an angle because there needs to be a lot of education in the community today. Like I've, I've been in B2B marketing all my life, and I kind of hear the pain points that you're talking about. There needs to be some form and fashion of education to say, hey, your funnel is distorted because your funnel is only halfway through. Let's think about the full funnel and kind of segueing to your your book that you wrote about full funnel marketing. So that's that's pretty awesome that you're kind of on the same page that we are. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm still fine with the concept of the funnel. I mean, just because people come in and out and sort of don't treat it like a linear process as a buyer, that's fine. It's still a way for us to organize and think about what needs to go in and what needs to come out. I mean, I, I, for me to hit a number, I have to know how many opportunities I need to generate. I need to know how many qualified leads feed into that opportunity number. I need to have a realistic conversion rate from lead to opportunity, opportunity to close. So that that construct to me still has value. What's not valuable is when you say, okay, well, marketing's gonna own the top and sales gonna own the bottom. Okay, great, everybody go. Because then you end up with marketing that has an MQL goal or a lead goal that may have nothing to do with the sales number. It may not be nearly enough. It may not be nearly the right type of prospects. If you're selling an IT enterprise product, um, you know, getting a lead from a dentist in South Carolina doesn't help you. But if you're just throwing all your form fills into the into Salesforce or into your CRM, again, that may be counterproductive. So there has to be a shared understanding of what the goal is. The goal is not leads. The goal isn't actually opportunities. The goal is sales and revenue. And so if you use that as the basis even if sales is doing their thing and marketing is doing their thing, you're starting from the same place, the same objectives, the same approach, and it gets everybody in line very quickly. Love it. So, so kind of segueing to one of them going to ask, like, uh, so Matt, kind of struggle, you know, what kind of, uh, when you talk to different people, like, what kind of struggle do you normally see in marketers? Like, what are the typical things that come to you as use cases? Um, just, you know, I think the struggle between the daily fire drills and the need to plan out uh, longer term strategies that can create those sustainable, predictable pipelines. You know, I think it, when I talk to people about, you know, putting in the work to build that repeatable, predictable system that can generate predictable pipeline over time. Everyone gets it, but then they come out of that meeting and the sales team says, we're not hitting our number. We need another email to go out next week, you know, or, you know, we're, we, we've committed to this trade show. We got to get everything together to go out there. And so, you know, best laid plans for great long-term solutions, you know, eventually face the battlefield and the battlefield's full of tiny like firefights every day. So <laughs> focus is, is, is a challenge. Um, you know, I think that, you know, even marketers that say they're going to embrace revenue responsibility and full funnel marketing still end up having to go to a board or go to a leadership team. And the, that board and leadership team wants to see the up and to the right charts that show lead volume. Lead volume is still perceived as what's important for marketing. So, you know, if you say, hey, listen, we're not going to focus on all these. We're going to focus on the right leads and that up and to the right goes down, even if it's the right kind of down, you spend a couple of days trying to describe that to your sales team and to your leadership team. And so... I fundamentally believe that 
the biggest impediment to to marketing organizations delivering real value is not reporting, it's not analytics, it's not objectives, it's culture. It's yes. culture within marketing yes. as well as the yeah. culture Love it. that exists inside the rest of the organization and the perception of what marketing is and what they do. So one practice that Samir and I have both done, and Samir does this today you know, with the, the role that he has, is we've made it a point to make sure that the sales leader invites and embeds the senior marketing person into their meetings and into their teams mm-hmm. because yeah, vice versa. Yeah, you know. exactly. You, you invite your, your head salesperson to join your marketing meetings and to understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. And it's made a world of difference. It's you, you eliminate that oil and vinegar. You eliminate the, oh, well shit marketing. Just, they don't know what they're doing. They're just sending us crap leads. Well, it's not yeah. that, you know? Yeah. I mean, meeting like communications, good meetings are good, but if you're having the same old conversations, yep. it may not be counterproductive. I mean, there's a difference between the operational dashboard you have as a marketer and the executive dashboard you produce for your peers around yep. the organization. Because what happens is if marketers, if we, if, even if we say the right things, if we produce a dashboard that shows clicks and retweets and open rates, people think that's what we're focused on. Yep. As opposed to saying all that leads to what? It leads to engagement with the right prospects. It leads mm-hmm. to um, it leads to you know creating opportunities from our best customers. So I mean, I, I mentioned culture. I mean, part of that culture is also driven by nomenclature, the language that you use as a yes. marketer. Yeah. You know, if you go out and start talking about those 10,000 likes, like you, you may actually like you may actually need Facebook likes, like getting likes on Facebook may actually be good. Like for our business, for example, like we post something on our blog every day, like in that in our strategy with our content on the blog is about it's a, it's a drip campaign, right? It's about mm-hmm. greater frequency of like, hey, these guys are smart. We should call them someday when we need them. Right. Yep. But but my goal, my marketing goal is not write a blog post every day. Right. That is that is a tactical operational requirement to get to the goal that I have, which is greater qualified pipeline. Yep. So the language that you use, even before you're able to measure everything, even before you're able to change a lot of your marketing, just to get people to understand that you're thinking the right way. I mean, this, 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 this I bet a lot of marketers, you know, listening to this, probably get tired of their CFO asking too many questions. They think their CFO is micromanaging <laughs> marketing. Well, you know why the CFO keeps asking you questions? He doesn't understand what you do. Exactly. He doesn't get your acronyms. You know, he does, he, he, you're using a language that's different than what he's understanding. So he's like, why do you need more money for that? Like, what if we didn't do it? Would it actually, would it make a difference? Mm-hmm. So if you're speaking the language of the CFO, they're going to give you more leeway because they think, well, you're at least thinking the way I'm thinking. I get that marketing's hard. I get that you don't have a silver bullet, but at least focus on the right words and the right language and the right objectives. Yeah. No, it's, it's, you're building a relationship and, and you're using the same words and the same terminology. And at the end of the day, once you've built that relationship, they, when you say something, you don't have to sit there and panic that they're going to freak out. When you say, I'm working on it, it'll take a few weeks to see the residuals or a few months, they start to get it yep. and they start to stop panicking. So that, that, that's uh, – I like that. Yeah, and I was going to say one quick thing. The great point about collaborating with finance, I've noticed consistently like every organization that I go from a marketing leadership and marketing operational leadership standpoint, uh, the places where you don't have a strong relationship with finance – that company eventually struggles. And so my objective is like, you know, whenever I go, they're like, first thing, like, hey, 
even if it's finance analysts, like let's go find that guy who's receptive to what we're trying to do and work together in a very collaborative environment. I kind of did the same thing uh, here at my current organization, working directly with our former CFO uh, in building a model, an algorithmic model that is in composite of marketing and sales and finance. So that, you know, it, you, you literally met with that comment. You hit the pain point in the industry that's going on right now. Like it's a triangular relationship between marketing, sales, and, and finance. Like, you know, it's like a three uh, three part love story of some sort. Yeah, I love well, it. and I think the other thing that's really important about this is uh, I think a lot of marketers when they when they know how to drive traffic and leads, they feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. If you now tell marketing you own pipeline contribution, you own a sales number, like they don't, that's scary, right? And I think the reason why a lot of marketers push back, the reason why your digital marketing person gets pissed when you tell them that you want to focus on pipeline is that they don't know how to do that. They've never done it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of pushback you get from people, if you if you look at that pushback, if you look at their defensiveness with the filter of fear, what are they afraid of? Are they afraid yeah. someone's going to think they don't know how to do their job? Are they afraid that you're not going to be able to immediately pivot to a whole new focus and know how to get there? And so if you as a marketing leader go to your CFO and say, listen, I don't know how to, this is going to be new for us, but we know this is the right place to focus. What's the, what are the metrics that are important to you and how can I start to align marketing metrics with you? I don't have the right answer here, but if you can give me a little time, we'll figure it out together. You will have the runway. Like mm-hmm. they want to have that conversation. They will invest in that conversation knowing or expecting or believing that the output of your efforts behind it are going to be better aligned with what the business needs. Nice. Well, cool. Let, let me let me pivot a little bit here. And, and I think that we we do have a fair share of kind of junior level marketers. And and uh, I don't know if I mentioned this to you before we were originally talking. I, I also teach um, uh, digital marketing at Texas A&M in San Antonio. And I have a lot of people who aspire to get into the marketing field, um, what would be some good advice for somebody who's a junior level marketer who wants to get into business because they're like, you know, I, I'm really good at Facebook, and I'm like, well, dude, mm-hmm. face, don't, dude, don't, don't just get into social media. You know, you need to learn about everything and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't really know about anything. I mean, where do I go? I mean, what are the trends? What would be your advice to a junior level person? Well, I mean, depending on what level of junior, if they're still in school, I do one of a couple things. One, get an internship, like, you know, find a company that's doing what you perceive as good B2B marketing and go just immerse yourself in their world, learn from them, get mm-hmm. to a point where someone in the industry that they work for, that you work for there can vouch for you that you're a smart person with good instincts and good, good, nice. good, good brand, good values. And that can help you get the next entry level job. Um, you know, the other answer I sometimes give people is like, listen, like if you really are serious about B2B marketing and one thing I wish I would have done when I started, if I was, if I knew from the beginning. I was going to go into B2B marketing is start with a sales job. Like go get an inside sales job. Go be a BDR somewhere um, and learn that job. Because it is a crucible for understanding what it takes to actually engage with the crazy busy B2B buyers today. It's a yeah. crucible for understanding how freaking hard sales is. I mean this is this and this is something that I think money marketers really do not appreciate that sales is not easy like you give someone a lead you give someone someone that the right person the right company that downloaded a white paper they don't want to talk to you that that prospect yeah. for that transaction is over <laughs> they got their white paper they're done so getting them on the phone even if you've got a good script and a good approach like that is hard work and i you know i so i have until i started heinz marketing i'd never had a direct sales job i'd done a lot of work with sales teams but never mm-hmm. been in a selling role like i i don't have a sales team here like i am the sales guy 
So I'm in a sales role now and I can tell you like, you need a lot of leads <laughs> to get yeah. to a pipeline to get <laughs> to close deals. And like, you know, you get warm leads every once in a while, you get referrals here and there and those, those certainly help. But, uh, you know, as our business grows, like that, that function becomes more important and it is hard, hard work. Okay. And so I think there's a level of empathy that yeah. good B2B marketers have for the process, for the customers that they're selling to, as well as for sales when they start with that foundation. Nice. Well, Samir, I have one more and then I'll let you ask, but it's kind of like a follow-up. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Go ahead. Go so, for it. Okay. So now let's – okay. We talked about somebody who's in college getting ready to graduate and then we got somebody who – is a junior level. Now let's bump it up to one more. Let's say you're a seasoned marketer. You've done a little bit of B2B and stuff like that. What advice would you give to those who are saying, you know what? I want to break out on my own. I want to do my own consulting or start my own firm. Um, yeah, it's a good question. So one, I would not wait until you feel like you're ready. Hmm. Uh, there's three things in my life that I think if I would have waited until I was ready, I never would have done. It's get married, have kids, start a business. Um, nice. in that order, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, 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 not necessarily, yeah. whatever, yeah, but yeah. you know, yeah. but I, and I think if I'm honest with myself, look, I'm still not ready for any of those three things. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but so I think if you wait until you're ready, you'll be waiting forever because you're never going to feel ready. Uh, imposter syndrome is a huge part <laughs> of starting your own <laughs> business and wondering if you actually know what you're doing. I think, I think being clear about what your, what your value prop is, being clear about, you know, what you're, what you're offering and that's going to change and evolve over time. But also knowing that your number one job as a business owner, no matter what you do as a consultant, is sales. Like you have to think about your own pipeline. You have to think yeah. about where your business is going to come from. Depending on the type of work you're doing, your turnover rate may very well over time be 100%. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, there's always got to be something else in the back end that you're backfilling with. But um, And know why you're doing it. You know, I mean, that's. I, there, there, you know, I'm, I, nine years in now, I am in love with what I do. I really, really appreciate, um, you know, the work that I get to do. Um, it is hard work. Someone described to me once as chewing glass, uh, on a regular basis awesome. is exciting and terrifying, but you know, like next Tuesday, um, I'm taking off work early. I'm going to the costume parade at my kid's school. And also, so cool. There's an industry technology company conference that I otherwise would have been at, but because it's during week Halloween week, I'm not going. And there's implications of that. Like there may be, I've got a little bit of FOMO, right? Fear of missing out mm-hmm. by not being mm-hmm. there. But you know what? I'm embracing the JOMO. It's the joy of missing out. And so, you know, nice. knowing that you know the money is important, uh, compensation is important. Kids want new shoes every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But also for me to be there for my kids and to do things outside of work, like that's part of the freedom that I want, that I'm willing to invest in and willing to chew a little more glass to get. I think that's a different podcast of saying my dad was really successful, but he was never there. Um, that's a completely different podcast. So <laughs> that's, that's great. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, this this is a podcast for people who love kids. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Any, so what one? So I'm going to take a different stance here. So that's fantastic advice for uh, for professional marketers and non marketers. Uh, so now taking to the deep dive into the data side of marketing, I, I, with all the noise that's happening, you know, people are worried about sharing their data. Like we have the GDPR, we have uh, uh, stuff going on around Safe Harbor, and we have a whole bunch of uh, people and, and the, all these new browsers and technology coming with more and more stringent protection from customers being able to share their data. How should marketers think about and prepare for this sort of quote-unquote dark future? I, as a marketer, am super excited about this future because it is going to differentiate brands that invest in trust and credibility 
from those that just want to sh- you know, just want a a shortcut to get to, to to shoehorning their way in front of someone. Now, this again, like you know, this this requires some foresight. This inquire this requires investment. This in- requires being willing to invest in attention building and engagement and trust before you want to have a sales conversation. But like, that is a much more authentic, much more scalable, predictable way of building pipeline and building sales and revenue moving forward. So I think the companies that are willing to invest in that, that do it the right way, are going to succeed. And every day they do it, there's going to be a compounding impact on the competitive differentiation that that effort represents. And that it's only scary for marketers that want to continue to cheat their way into getting access to people in the wrong way. And um, and I and I'm not saying this from an ivory tower. Like you know, we are doing this ourselves. We have clients doing this. Where you know, you still have to manage the data the data side of all this and make sure your database is clean. And depending on where people's locations are, you're reaching them the right way. But when you can earn someone's attention, I mean, this like almost gets back to Seth Godin's uh, permission marketing. Um, there's a variety of ways to do that and a variety of ways that manifests itself. But that today and moving forward is an increasing competitive differentiator uh, for companies that are willing to do it. I like, I like it. I like it. Uh, Samir, you want one or me? Go ahead. Okay. Here's the, here's the tough one. This is the one where you got to sit down on the couch, you know, get out the pillow and I'll bring out the, uh, you know, the, the psychiatrist voice here. So Matt, um, what has driven you to succeed? <laughs> You're like, crap, he's asking me. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, was, I knew I should have asked for questions in advance. I know. Um, oh, boy, let me like. What, what drives you? Like, what drives you to – feel free to take a few seconds, you know, I mean. But my thing is, like, what drives you to succeed? Because, I mean, it's one of those things to where are, – are you one of those, uh, you know, super maximizers where you're constantly saying, I could want more, I could want more – is there a goal that you're trying to hit or is this the secret sauce that we're not supposed to know about Matt Hines or what? No, it's, it's a really good question. And I honestly, I think, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is I'm doing this for my family. Uh, you know, I, my, my, my parents uh, are both from the Midwest, uh, both Iowa raised. And even though I grew up in California, I, I feel like I've inherited a lot of their Midwestern values. My grandpa, um, he was a humble guy. Uh, he mowed the lawn every Saturday until like three weeks before he died. Um, he just put in the work. Um, and, uh, and I think that's what I try to do as well. I try to be, um, you know, present for my family. I try to be a servant leader at the office. We take our, our values very seriously. We reward people for values. We actually have, probably don't have time on this podcast. We have, um, we have every employee has a Heinz marketing branded full size football helmet and we do helmet stickers at every one of our team meetings. Uh, I wonder where so, you got that from. from right. Yeah, from school. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, so, and we have Heinz Marketing stickers and we reward them for people, you know, exhibiting instances of our values. And so um, I, I think, you know, to be able to support my family, to be able to support people in the business and help support their lives and what they want to do with their lives, uh, that is very fulfilling. I tell I tell people in the office all the time, I want, I want people to be excited about coming to work in the morning and I want you to be proud of yourself when you go home. Uh, I want to be proud of myself when I go to bed too, and that so that has to do with the work I do at work as well as the work I do at home. And I'm, it's not all about money. It's not all about uh, just you know what you bring home every day, but it's also just the fulfillment I get from being a member of our team and being a member of my family. Yeah, fantastic. That's that's well said. Uh, so uh, 
again, Matt, like this has been fantastic. I and mean, we could literally go out in an hour. We have continue to have discussion, but time permitting, I don't be respectful for your time. And, uh, you know, we're, we're hitting the mark. But I think one thing I was going to ask you before uh, before we kind of start to wrap up this uh, great uh, session that we had with you, any word of advice for marketers struggling today or, you know, people trying to figure out how do we, what do we do with the pipeline and anything that you would like to share with our audience? Yeah. I mean, adopt the language and economics of the business. Like you, you, your marketing metrics and language isn't nearly as important as the business's language and, and metrics and mechanics. Um, you can go back and figure out how to engineer marketing to, to achieve those, but your goal is not a marketing goal. Your goal is a business goal. And I think that the key to getting more marketers at every level, I don't care if you're an intern, I don't care if you're a mid-level, I don't care if you're a CMO, the key to greater influence and career growth for marketers is to be business leaders. Uh, and I think making that connection and then filtering uh, what marketing you're doing and prioritizing the marketing you're doing to that effect is is key moving forward. That's, I like That's it. That's fantastic I like advice. It. Well, cool. Um, yeah, I guess so the I mean, that kind of concludes our our podcast today with the fabulous Matt Hines. We're happy that you're here. We're happy. Uh, this has been a, a really good uh, experience for us, and I think our listeners are really getting a kind of a new taste of of kind of what it takes, you know, to really hit that, you know, to really go from just an average marketer to a great marketer, and I think that's what we all strive to be. So um, thank you. Yeah, feel free yeah. to check out uh, HinesMarketing.com and – uh, you know that you can find a lot of information about that company, the great stuff that they're doing yeah. in pipeline marketing. So I would definitely encourage you visit there. Yeah, and thank you again, Matt. This has been absolutely fantastic. And uh, feel free if you ever want to come back on and uh, kind of shoot the breeze with us. We're more than happy to have you back on. Oh, it's a pleasure, guys. I'm happy to do it anytime. Fantastic. So um, again, you can find us on analyticstodaypodcast.com, and Samir and I always look forward to y'all's feedback and insights and recommendations um, if you'd like us to interview somebody please let us know you can always contact us and again thank you matt thank you samir and uh, we'll see you guys on the air thanks